Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Black Hawks Live. Whether you're the casual hockey observer or the epitome of a rabid Hawks fan, Black Hawks Live answers all your questions. It's just been a good sign this year that they all seem to be having fun, getting along, and working hard. I love those three things together. Joe Brand delivers the news, notes, and everyday gossip from the Madhouse on Madison. Here's Joe Brand. Well, there is plenty of opportunities to go catch a game at the United Center in the early going of 2023. The Blackhawks began a seven-game homestand last night against the San Jose Sharks. Unfortunately, the losing skid continues, and it's quite a rough ride for the Hawks right now who continue at the bottom of the NHL standings. But this upcoming week, we might be seeing some more of the future talent of this organization with some injuries getting involved and some players being available down in Rockford. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. You're listening to 720 WGN as we continue on the conversation here on 720, but we focus on the Blackhawks and hockey talk. It was uh, great to hear Pat Foley and Nick Olchek on the call of the Winter Classic out at Fenway Park between the Boston Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins. What a game, too. The Bruins come back with two unanswered goals in the third period. They win the Winter Classic. They win technically another home game, even though it wasn't at the TD Garden. It was at Fenway Park, home of the Boston Red Sox, but just always such a cool event. It looks like the weather really cooperated this year. It started around the mid-50s, I believe, out in Fenway, but still an overcast, so it is able to uh, help the ice keep its shape and its sleekness. Uh, Nothing compared to last season between Minnesota and St. Louis up at Target Field in St. Paul, where they were playing at negative 7 degrees. I don't care how great of a hockey player you are or hockey fan you are. That is a cold day to spend outside for the majority of it. Uh, Totally different temperature and environment today over at Fenway. Uh, Just an overall great event that the NHL puts on. I think they do a very good job of it. Uh, The next one they announced earlier today will be in Seattle, and it's going to host the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights, the latest two expansion teams. We will get to that later on in the show, but uh, I think that's a good idea. I think it's kind of new. It's it's a little bit more unique, even though uh, they have done this now for, let's see, 12 years, 13 years, the first one in 2008 between the Buffalo Sabres and the Pittsburgh Penguins at Heinz Field, I want to say. So it was a Penguins home game, uh, Crosby winning in the shootout, and then the following year was at Wrigley Field where the Hawks lost to the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, the following year after that, it was the first one at Fenway Park. So they are starting to recycle some venues. I know we were talking about this last week. Uh, The Blackhawks have played their fair share of outdoor games, and surprisingly, they haven't or weren't too successful in them. The lone outdoor game that they won was at Soldier Field against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I believe that was 2014 on a very cold, very snowy night in Chicago. It was a real cool environment, though. But uh, that was the only win that they had. They lost at Wrigley. They lost at uh, Minnesota's football stadium, and uh, that's... uh, the University of Minnesota, not the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they fell at Bush Stadium to the St. Louis Blues. They lost at uh, the Washington 
uh, Capitals. Why why am I drawing a blank? The Nationals Park. Nationals Park. Uh, they fell to the Capitals. And uh, they also lost to the Boston Bruins at Notre Dame. So for whatever reason, the Blackhawks didn't have a lot of success in outdoor contests. But now it looks like the only one that's left is the south side over at Guaranteed Rate Field. So who knows? Maybe down the line we'll see the Blackhawks perform in one of those games. But it uh, won't be next year because, again, Seattle will host Vegas in that game. Uh, do want to talk about last night's loss to the San Jose Sharks. A 5-2 loss after the Hawks had a 2 nothing lead. Uh, their first two-goal lead since last Friday in their previous win against the Columbus Blue Jackets. They coughed up five unanswered goals, three of them coming in the final five minutes of the second period, one of them coming in the final minute and a half of the second period. That's what gave San Jose the advantage, and then they just kind of took off from there. Uh, Patrick Kane able to score in that game, his third goal in his last five contests. He's starting to take more of an individual approach offensively, just kind of making things happen on his own. You can sense his competitiveness and his competitive drive in that instance. But um, he's a guy that's not going to sugarcoat things. He is not going to hide away from the Blackhawks' mistakes, and he's just being pretty honest about how this repetitive losing has kind of taken a toll on the players. We've been losing a lot of games, and uh, I think it wears on a lot of guys. Guys get frustrated, and, uh, you know, it's understandable. But um, at the same time, when we're in positions like we are tonight. You know, we got to find a way to, uh, you know, not give up so much so easy. And that goal about... Uh a minute and a half left in the second period, I think, is what he was getting at about giving up a goal too easy. There was a little bit of puck luck for San Jose in that second period, but you can't really uh, blame the Blackhawks' loss on that. They do need to be better at getting off to a better start, playing a full 60 minutes, and Luke Richardson dives into a little bit more of that. And we're going to get to that sound a little bit later. Also more from Patrick Kane as well. But first we got to get to Kevin Wells with the cars and the had weather. so much fun at that uh, 2014 Stadium Series game real quick before I get to traffic. Were you a, there? That was so much fun. A yeah. lot of people were there. I feel like it's uh, the blackout game for the Sox in 2008. So many people I know were at that game. Was, I was actually working here. I couldn't <laughs> go to that game. But, yeah, I know it was a cool environment. Coldest I've ever been in my life, but it was it was a good one. Worth it. We have the right attitude. Guys want to win. Guys are staying positive and uh, you know, especially tonight. I think we had a new outlook on things after... Um, just, you know, the last year and it being a new year and uh, trying to start off the, the way we wanted to. So it looked like it was going right there for a while and then it wasn't. Well, the Blackhawks are trying to figure out what keeps them running. And I feel like it's up to the coaching staff to make that happen. This is Blackhawks Live. I'm Joe Brand. You're listening to 720 WGN. This segment is sponsored by Caesars Sportsbook. You bet, you get. Patrick Kane saying it right there that, you know, a little bit earlier we heard him say how guys are just starting to feel the wear of the season and not so much the wear and tear of a long season, just the fact that where the Hawks are right now, it can start to get very difficult when a team just continues to lose and how do you keep team morale up how do you keep energy and an upbeat mentality and we've talked about this a lot this year but unfortunately that's that's the one thing that's been consistent with this team because they are going to be overmatched quite a bit and I do think that Luke Richardson and the coaching staff are doing a good job of keeping it upbeat Um, we've seen Luke Richardson as critical as he's ever been 
two days ago, two games ago, I should say, on New Year's Eve against the Columbus Blue Jackets, just calling it flat out the worst performance of the year. I think he is holding players accountable, and I think he's done that the entire season. But Luke Richardson isn't a guy that's going to head into the locker room and just start screaming at guys and start throwing chairs and throwing tables. That's just not his M.O., and I kind of agree with that not being the approach to take right now. This is year one of a rebuild. It's it's tough for this team to stay to stay with more talented teams, especially each and every night. We've seen it happen. We've seen them pull out big wins against the New York Rangers, um, taking down the L.A. Kings in an overtime victory. We, we've seen them play a full 60 minutes, even with lesser teams like Columbus and earlier in San Jose, but it takes a lot for that to happen, just with the way that this team is built. Let's let's remember, they don't have one of their best scorers from last year and Alex Dabrinkit anymore. Even losing guys like Kirby Dock and Dominic Kubelik, you're losing a lot of that offensive depth. It, the, there's not much more star power after you get through the first two lines of the Chicago Blackhawks right now. That's just what they're faced with. So each and every game is a new opportunity for them to go out there and try their hardest. And for the most part, they have done that. I will say that there's kind of been a recent trend with this team, not getting off to a great start. It happened in Columbus. Uh, I, I should say it happened at home yesterday against San Jose. It happened in Columbus later on in the game. There's, the inconsistency is starting to become consistent. Uh, I will say, for the most part this year, we've seen some solid efforts in the third period, which I think is huge for this team when they have a difficult time playing for something. Um, we've talked about the goaltending before, how that's been a saving grace, keeping the Blackhawks in games and giving the entire team something to play for, something to fight for, even if it's just not being shut out. We have seen this Blackhawks team work towards that. That happened in the the rough loss to the New York Rangers. Even though they're getting thwomped by New York 7-1, they're still playing for something. They're playing for one more goal. So the camaraderie, the team chemistry is there, but it's still going to take a lot for these guys to give their absolute all every single minute of every single game each and every time. Uh, One of the positives I want to pull from Sunday's game against San Jose is Ian Mitchell, who was a healthy scratch for the past three games on the road. Luke Richardson was saying that, uh, you know, you don't get that last lineup change with being the road team. Ian Mitchell is more of an offensive-friendly defenseman. He's a puck handler. Uh, He's a a shoot-first mentality guy, and he wanted to see more of that when he got back in the lineup yesterday against San Jose. And he did show that with his first assist on the season, setting up Patrick Kane, but I think it was the keeping in front of the blue line that was even more impressive than just the assist. It's his his ability to, to quickly read where the puck's going and help set up the Blackhawks offensively. And ended up working out, and Luke Richardson was pleased with his player. And in the second period, I think he had a power play. He wanted the puck, and uh, Double-A just put it on the wrong side of him. I don't know if he thought it was Caleb out there as a left-hander or what, but he was wide open, and he was calling for it. That shows uh, assertiveness out there, and that's what we need from him offensively. So Ian Mitchell's the type of defenseman that is going to, or rather at least what the Hawks are hoping for, is he's going to help out the offensive side of things. He's not going to be a big bruiser. He's not that big of a guy. That's more of an Isaac Phillips role, another guy who's been recently up from Rockford and doing a very good job with the Hawks. He played four games last season, and it was fine, but I feel like 
even just those four games have given him a lot more confidence heading into this season. You see him uh, being factored in physically, or rather using his physicality defensively. The assist he had on Andreas Athanasiu's goal against the Columbus Blue Jackets on New Year's Eve, I thought, uh, very similar to Ian Mitchell. It, it was just a play that you don't teach. It was just his reaction that showed he's in the right headspace right now and knows what he needs to do, knows how he needs to contribute. Same type of thing where the puck's on its way past the blue line, but he keeps it in, and it's just a reactionary toss to Andreas Athanasiu, who just bursts off and scores the first goal of the game. Unfortunately, it was all Columbus after that, but you are starting to see some bright spots from the younger players, and that's what we're going to be keeping our eye on for the majority of this upcoming season. Again, with a long homestand, and the Blackhawks being a little bit banged up right now. For the first time in a while, they've got both their goaltenders healthy, but it's a few of the other guys. Jujar Kara, Mackenzie Entwistle, uh, Sam Lafferty missed a few games, even though he did play yesterday against San Jose. The depth of the Blackhawks offense is just a little bit banged up right now. I know the Rockford Icehogs are home this week, So it'll be interesting to see if they do pull up any more pieces. But Luke Richardson said he's not going to jump to conclusions and and bring up a Lucas Reichel when you need more depth on the offense. Lucas Reichel is a guy that needs to play top six minutes. That's what he's doing down in Rockford. That's why the lone game he played this year was when Jonathan Taves was unavailable last minute in New Jersey. But in terms of holding the team and holding players accountable, Luke Richardson has continued to do that. After the loss on New Year's Eve, he called it again flat out worst performance of the year and then after last night's game against San Jose which there were improvements but clearly not enough he kind of called out his team's energy in terms of competing against the Sharks our battle level wasn't as high as the other team for 60 minutes tonight so it's like stick battles you might be beside the guy but we're not taking them they got a lucky bounce maybe on the first one but you make your luck by being harder than the other team and get your stick on the puck so again it's not blaming tough luck for the Blackhawks loss uh But the first two goals for San Jose, they caught a little bit of luck. A heavy one-timer from the right point turns into a rebound right in front of the crease, and the puck literally flutters over Peter Mrazek, and it gets into the back of the net. And that's just kind of what opened the door for the San Jose Sharks. Their next goal looked like it was going to be waved off for a distinct kicking motion. That wasn't quite the case. It was just legally directed in by Mark Edward Flasic, and that brought the Sharks within one goal. Even if you end or I take that back, that's what tied up the game. Even if you end that second period a 2-2 tie, San Jose's got the momentum, and they're probably feeling a lot better about their game heading into the third. But then it's uh, a keep-in and a drive by Ivan Barabanov, I believe is how you pronounced his name. He just weaves in in front of Mrazic through the defense, and I'll, I'll chalk that up to high-skilled offensive competition for Barabanov, but he ends up scoring on Peter Mrazek on probably a goal that Mrazek would like to have back. Just caught him short side on the left shoulder, and before you know it, it's 3-2 Sharks. The thing that does maybe give me some pause is the Blackhawks' performance in that third period. Again, Luke Richardson talking about the compete level, the battle level, not quite being there. Uh, and I think that that is what needs to continue for each and every game and in each and every period, no matter the score, no matter what position the Hawks are in at that point, as they are uh, trying to stay just up with every single team that they play. Another thing that the Blackhawks have been battling a lot this year is just after these rough losses, 
you got to move on. You got to get to the next game. That's exactly what they're going to try to do tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are a heck of a lot better than the San Jose Sharks, which means the Blackhawks are going to have to have a heck of a lot better performance. And Luke Richardson is hoping that they can turn pages better as the season goes along. I think when one thing bad happens, we're not ready to, at this point, to turn the page and, and get back to what we were doing well. I think we kind of take a step back and try and defend from the inside and play a little more safe. And safe is not going to, you know, guys against Carlson and Couture and that. If you play safe, they're just giving them room to play. So we have to get over that. Otherwise, it's going to be a, a long, difficult road to get out of it. The good news is the Blackhawks organization understands that this is the path that it's going to take. This is year one of a rebuild, and there are some bright spots of the Hawks' future that I want to get to after the news. So let's head to the news, rather, the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom with Steve Ruxton. You're listening to Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. The linesman's late kind of doesn't help him, and then Stjornborg makes no mistake. He's got his head down. He's ready to bury it, and bury it he does, right between the legs of Lampinen. The penalty kill for Sweden running about 95% at this World Junior Championship. That is number one for the tournament. And it is the penalty kill that has given Sweden the lead with 65 seconds on the clock. That's excitement. Gabby and Lysel, who's sitting in the penalty box, we saw him, and you, you go in there with a lot of stress. Well, I know this, that Fabian isn't happy to be in the penalty box. That call courtesy of TSN, that was a highlight of a goal by Victor Stenborg. I believe I'm pronouncing that name right. Kudos to the announcer on that call away. Think had it better than I ever could. Sweden beat Finland earlier today, 3-2. to two. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. As we're moving into our conversation about the World Junior Championship, a handful of Blackhawks prospects on Team Canada, with one less now, though. We'll actually we'll start off with the unfortunate news. Colton Dock, I believe, is going to be out for the rest of the tournament. He suffered uh, an apparent right shoulder injury. It definitely looked like he was tending to his right arm on a hit that he had late in the game the other day. Uh, he's been replaced by Owen Beck, but it's just it's rough to see for a couple of reasons. Uh, Colton Dock was doing really good things at prospect camp for the Blackhawks, and then he left due to a concussion that kind of just slowed down all the momentum that he had making a good impression on prospect camp. And uh, you hate to say it, but his older brother Kirby suffered an injury in this tournament as well a couple of years ago, a wrist injury. That was right after uh, he had played a little bit with the Blackhawks, and everything is easier to to break it down after the fact, and we can't really say anything definitively about if Kirby Doc's injury had hindered him at all with the Blackhawks because he seems to be doing fine with the Montreal Canadiens right now. I also think that a scene change is positive for a guy like Kirby Doc, but that's just kind of going off topic now. Anyway, Colton Doc is out for the rest of the tournament, it looks like. After having two assists in four games, you just like to see him uh, gain that extra confidence of being a productive player for Team Canada on the World Juniors. Uh, you like the fact that there's a handful of Blackhawks prospects on that team, and Kevin Korchinski, uh, Nolan Allen, 
Ethan Del Mastro, some numbers on those guys. Kevin Korczynski with four points in four games, one goal, three assists. Nolan Allen with two points in four games with, an, with a goal and an assist. You just heard the goal highlight from Victor Stenborg. That's not even his only goal of the tournament. But uh, the guy that everybody, and us included, have been talking about quite a bit, a big reason why, if not the biggest reason why the Blackhawks are in a rebuild, is Connor Bedard, who is looked at as a generational talent for this upcoming draft. That is the big prize. They're literally calling it the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Everybody wants him. He has, well, okay, before I started the show, he had 18 points with six goals and 12 assists. That was in four games. Team Canada right now leads Slovakia one to nothing, thanks to a Connor Bedard goal. Connor Bedard now has 19 points in five games, pretty much four games in one period, seven goals, and I think he's already passing up other players uh, in the tournament's history for scoring that many points, that many goals in so little games, just five games. Connor Bedard is a guy that's going to be talked about maybe at nauseum until the draft actually comes. And I've said this before, nothing is guaranteed about the Blackhawks landing Connor Bedard, even if they do finish at the bottom of the NHL standings. But if they do finish at the bottom of the NHL standings, that gives them the best chance of landing Connor Bedard. The other good thing is the number two expected overall draft pick, Adam Fantilli, is highly regarded as well. He has four Rather, three points in four games with a goal and two assists. A lot of people are very high on him. So it kind of gives you a little bit more of a cushion if you are the Chicago Blackhawks. You still want that number one. You still want Connor Bedard, but it makes you feel a little bit better. And just the fact that this draft is expected to be deeper than last year's draft as well. We've got more to get to. We'll close out the show next. But first, got to get to Kevin Wells with the weather and traffic. It's our last stop on Blackhawks Live. Hawks are looking to end a four-game losing skid against the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night at the United Center. That'll be game two of a seven-game homestand that the Blackhawks began last night with a loss to the San Jose Sharks. Arizona comes to town later on in the week. After that, it's Calgary, Colorado, Seattle, and Buffalo. The Hawks' next road game, not until January 19th against the Philadelphia Flyers. Kind of a jam-packed schedule, but that's the case because... You know, the All-Star break is coming up at the beginning of February. I'm Joe Brand. This is our last segment of Blackhawks Live, which is sponsored by the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program, which brings us to our Business of Hockey segment. We talked about it earlier on in the show. Today was the Winter Classic. Always a great event thrown on by the NHL. It was at Fenway Park, a 2-1 winner for the Boston Bruins against the Pittsburgh Penguins. You heard it here on WGN Radio. Really cool to hear Pat Foley do a radio call once again, along with Nick Olchek, who uh, you've heard here on WGN Radio before. He had the color commentary. And our business of hockey, they have announced where the next Winter Classic will be. It's going to be next year in Seattle, hosting rather the Kraken hosting the Vegas Golden Knights. So those are the two most recent expansion teams in the NHL playing at T-Mobile Park, home of the Seattle Mariners. That's pretty cool. I was saying earlier, the whole event's pretty unique, and it's interesting, and it's fun. But I'm really glad they brought in the two expansion teams because it just makes it even a little bit more unique of a twist on it by uh, bringing in these two new, somewhat new, uh, hockey towns and uh, 
giving them the toast of the town, the toast of the league, and and getting to host that entire event. Uh, Jack Heinrich is our producer here. Jack, I'm actually a little surprised that they didn't go with the Seahawks venue. Mm-hmm. Um, love baseball, love hockey, <laughs> love the crossover. I think it's the coolest thing to see a game played at Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, Nationals Park, uh, Bush Stadium, Target Field. But it is just a better setup when it's at a football arena, when, yeah. it, when the bowl matches the rink. And the Seahawks are so big out there, I'm really surprised they didn't go with the Seahawks venue. Yeah, I agree with you on the baseball. love baseball, the crossover. But <laughs> Yes, we love baseball. Let's talk more baseball. about that. <laughs> uh, but on Blackhawks Live. Especially uh, that home field advantage Seattle has at their stadium, too. It's what they call it yeah. the 12th man for a reason. You'd think they could pack it and really turn it into like a whole, a whole ice advantage outside. And both of those places are right next to each other. They are. I mean, I, I can't remember what uh, the Seahawks place. I think uh, it's Lumen Field. That sounds right. It, it's right next to T-Mobile Park, formerly known as Safeco Field, which when they were re-upping the naming rights, I took a tour there in 2015, and the tour guide had the best joke in the world. Uh, he was hoping that Starbucks would buy the naming rights, and then they could call it the Starbucks grounds. Oh, nice. Which is just That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I was pretty surprised. And again, big fan of baseball, big fan of T-Mobile Park. I actually went there this past summer. It's a great ballpark. It looks it's nice. Very big. It can. I went on a Saturday in July or Saturday in August, and it was packed. They had almost 55,000 people wow. there. Um, great environment. Uh, again, I'm just I'm a little baffled by it. I don't know if because the Mariners are so hot right now. You know, making the playoffs for the first time in 20 years, um, trying to just blow that up a little bit more. But I, again, they're they're right next to each other. You could do something over a T-Mobile park um, before. I, I brought up this idea before on this show, actually, last year with Chris Bowden. Because at one point, and maybe my, my thought process changes now, because the Winter Classic isn't as watered down as it was before. I feel like they found a good thing. They really hit it nail on the head, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden there's all these outdoor games. You've got all these stadium series games, and it was really cool, the Blackhawks playing in so many of them, cool jerseys, cool trips. The Soldier Field game just was awesome, um, but it, it just became a little bit too much. Yeah. So I was I was thinking, you know, why don't they do the Winter Classic as the All-Star game? And you get to go to a place that maybe might not have the Winter Classic. Because for the most part, they're doing good teams. I mean, that's why the Blackhawks were so highly sought after for those outdoor games. I actually just saw on Instagram that I think Pittsburgh, that was their sixth outdoor game. Say, they've played in a lot of them. So I think they, they passed the Hawks or they tied with the Hawks for five. I could count really quickly in my head, but um, it, it got a little watered down. So I was thinking, how cool would it be to have the All-Star game also, because you know, there's a lot of players out there that I'm sure would love to play in that type of venue, and it gives them the opportunity from from other teams that might not get that opportunity. And you could also still have the skills competition at the arena of whatever team is hosting it, whatever city is yeah. hosting it. You know, like let's say I think Nashville just had a stadium or a stadium series or a, a Winter Classic, mm-hmm. but you could have the skills competition at the Bridgestone Arena and they just play the game. Uh, where the Titans play, Nissan Arena or something, yeah. stadium. Um, and we also talked about how Vegas had the All-Star game last year, 
and they had a cool shooting competition oh, on the water on the fountains. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if 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 Chicago were to host the NHL All Star Game, what cool Chicago themed event could they have? People were saying, oh, like speed skating out on the river. That'd be cool. It'd be cool. I don't think it ever happened, but yeah. I think it'd be Probably very some cool. Safety issues with yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, somebody asking, what was the TV series that was discussed on air at around 5 o'clock today? Oh, uh, Chicago Party Ant. I know we're uh, overlapping shows a little bit right now. I was filling in for Lisa Dent earlier as we're wrapping up Blackhawks Live. But do you watch Chicago Party Ant? I know Kevin, I haven't. Kevin no. Wells was bringing it up earlier. It, it literally stemmed from a Twitter account. And then somebody from Netflix said, hey, let's let's turn this into a show. Yeah, it seemed interesting. I've seen some of the tweets. I mean, it's funny. The Twitter's hysterical. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't cost much to, to follow along on the Twitter, but um, the, yeah, the show the show's okay. I'm, I'm enjoying. I in, enjoyed a few episodes, but couldn't really follow. Um, thoughts on the Winter Classic? I, I thought it was uh, another ten out of ten job. Yeah, I always I always like it and watching it. I mean, Pat Foley, Nick Olchek. That, that was we cool. Had here it was cool to hear Pat again. Um, and I mean, it's always a, I mean, two good teams, Boston coming back and. Uh, I mean, it was rocking. You could just hear Pat describing it, and I think they played the set. They sang the seventh inning stretch at one point. They too. did, yeah. So that's kind of cool. And it's there. I, I, his name escapes me, but it's the guy that sings the national yeah. anthem in Boston. That guy always reminds me of the cowardly lion. <laughs> Not, I mean, just just his voice and his inflection. Obviously, he's a fantastic singer, and it, it's he's the Jim Cornelison of the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. But I remember when the Hawks were playing the Bruins in the 2013 Stanley Cup Final, and that's all I could think about because I'm just <laughs> waiting for him to say and rough and rough or something along those lines. Um, it, it was it was a great game too. I, I mean, yeah. that's that's a whole part of it as well. If it's a four nothing blowout, it's just kind of like, all right, what are we doing here? But uh, yeah, they were partying yeah, over at Fenway. Fenway is a cool stadium to have that in, and like you said, Wrigley's had one, so it's really cool. I'd like to see the Hawks bring some of those jerseys back, though. Those they had some nice jerseys in those games that they've only worn once, but maybe it makes it more special, like you said. But I liked the jerseys. Against Washington and St. Louis, the white jerseys. Mm-hmm. I thought those looked cool. Obviously, loved the the Winter Classic at Wrigley. Those were the, I like those. Those were my favorite ones. And they wore those the following year they as their did. alternate jersey. Although the Hawks did the same thing when they had the Winter Classic at Notre Dame in 2019, they carried over those uh, black and white jerseys the following year. Um, that was cool because even when they would play at the United Center wearing those jerseys. All the font, all the logos was the same. It was just, oh, that is, yeah. just black and white. So, no, definitely a big fan of all the theatrics and the pageantry that the NHL puts on. It's always a really good job. Uh, big thanks to everyone who helped out today. Again, I was filling in earlier, so big thanks to Steve Ruxton, Steve Bertrand, Kevin Wells, and Mark Carmen. Another big thanks to Sam Rubin for joining us earlier here on the Blackhawks side of things. Uh, thanks to everyone at the Hawks for helping us get that sound. Jack Heinrichs, our producer. I'm Joe Brand. John Landecker is next. After the news with Steve Ruxton from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom, thanks for listening to Blackhawks Live next games tomorrow night against Tampa Bay. We'll talk to you then.